Welcome to Dealership Process Secrets, Season 3, Episode 2. I'm your host, Philip Cheatham, here with my co-host, Sterling Brown and Brian Steele. What's happening, guys? What's going on, Phil? Uh, not much. I definitely I, I want to do an episode. We might run this one pretty quick. Uh, it might not take that long. Uh, but I want to open up this season. It's 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 just something that uh, I see. So it's so common, um, and it's so simple and misunderstood for some reason. And it 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 goes with desire. Uh, and I'm going to give you a story um, where I, I recently I recently promoted some salespeople to assistant sales manager, uh, essentially putting a whole new process inside of a sales department. Uh, but I I decide I didn't pick the people to promote, but I did give my recommendations. I'd been working with this dealership for a while and uh, I picked three people. One person already had the position and uh, one of the sales managers, you know, when he had their business cards and basically put them there and uh, he said, uh, why? I just want to know why you pick, why you're picking these three. And I said, it's one word, man, it's desire. And he immediately sat there and looked down and he sat back and he goes, okay, I get it. And He's very smart. This person that I'm talking about, the sales manager, is higher echelon uh, sales manager for sure. Uh, but uh, he got it. And it, the first thing I want to open up when I'm talking about what I'm uh, trying to discuss is if I have a guy that I know could do a great job. And actually, one of the guys um, had been offered finance before and had done finance, but wanted to be a salesperson. We've all run across them. Uh, and I was pretty sure he was going to turn it down. He didn't. Uh, but basically before it happened, I said, you know, and you're not going to push this guy to do it. If this guy doesn't want to do it, I'd go with this person next. Um, uh, but if he doesn't want to do it, we're not going to talk him into it. And this is one of the biggest things that I, that I want to talk about because we see people all over our dealership. Oh, this person would be great at that. You go have the conversation and they're not into it. I'm not into it anymore at all. Because the number one thing that matters is desire. I would rather have, uh, and this may sound brutal that I talk like this, but it, it's just a reality. I would rather have a lower IQ person with all the desire in the world to do the job than a person that you know that would be great at it that has no desire to do it. Because I can teach the person um, with the lower aptitude. I can teach the person with zero skill set. If they really want it, They're in six months, you're going to go rub your eyes and go, who the hell is this person that I created? Uh, especially if you know how to train. <clears throat> That's something I go through quite a bit too. Moving green peas around, I love to do that, especially when they show the desire for the job. That's what you want more than anything. We want to go and hire a pro finance guy. You probably have a pro finance guy that just hasn't been built yet in your store already that wants that job. You know, They, they might even quit if you don't give it to them. Um, you need to give that person the job and give that person the opportunity. And that is the number one thing that matters. Another story, I was at a dealership, different dealership, and uh, they needed a lot of salespeople. And as we're sitting there discussing literally about how they need salespeople, a lot more salespeople than they had, um, a guy walks by and asked if, if they had gotten his application. And they go, oh, well, everybody knows him. He's a serial killer. He's, I was like, he's a serial killer? What are you talking about? So, oh, no, you know, he looks like a serial killer. These are good people. I'm not, these are very good people, by the way, that I'm talking about. But, you know, they, the guy came off a little weird. He was a little weird, honestly. Uh, but I said, dude, if that guy wants to work here and he's filled out three applications, I don't care how weird he is, hire him. Watch the interview I'm going to do with him. 
And then in the interview I did with him, because he did seem like a guy that might blow up or had a short fuse. I said, what if someone disrespects you here? <laughs> you know, and I asked him questions like that. And that's what you always great, great question. Well, that's what you always want to do in the interview is if you see, if you're looking at somebody across the table and you're worried about how some things might be a problem when you put this person into your world, okay, how, how this person might not fit in, that's what you want to confront immediately and, and say, so what's going to happen if, um, you know, a manager says this to you or a manager asks you to do that, or you don't make any money your first month. Like those are the questions you actually want to ask, because if that then happens after you hired them, you get to say, well, remember, I told you and asked you in the interview and you told me X. Exactly. Right. And you know, what's funny is you did a good job of CYA covering your ass, but that's not what the goal of what you did was. The goal of what you did was, was to prepare Proper, for that uh, person. Yes. Preparation. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And off the bat. So that there's a whole other thing interviewing. We could, that's, that should be another one we should do again, which I can't stand the, Oh, look, my top guy makes a hundred thousand dollars. No one even believes you and they don't even care. What people actually care about is building themselves. Believe it or not, we think we care way more about money than we do. Uh, but we can get into a whole other conversation about that. That's not going to recruit people. And that's one of the worst things you can do in the interview. The interview, you need to remind them every single time. So our Saturday morning meetings are at seven o'clock. Sometimes we're here at Friday till midnight. If that's the case, you need to tell them that in the interview. And the people that don't want to hear that, you didn't want them working there anyway. So all you're doing is filtering for the right people. Uh, but we can we can get into interviews. Um, this desire thing is huge. And like I said, I didn't think this was going to run that long. I've pretty much dropped my argument on it. Um, and I think if you if you listen to what I'm saying, you'll understand it. You will be talking people into doing a job that you have to talk them into doing the entire time they're doing it. And that is the last place that you ever want to be. You're giving someone unnecessary leverage, and then they're going to constantly kick back with, I told you I didn't even want to do this, or things like that, right? Or even just the attitude of that. When you hire somebody that really wants something that maybe doesn't even deserve it or isn't quite there yet, and you put them in that position, but they have that desire level that's through the roof, all you have to do is nurture and train and have a good environment, et cetera, et cetera. So... What do you guys got on that? Brian, I'm interested to hear what you think about desire first. I've always, you know, I've always said with, you know, salespeople specifically, what I'm looking for is them to, to, you know, to really have a want, to really have a desire, to really have that internal drive. And then I'm looking for a good balance of charisma and control, but it starts with the drive. It starts with what is it, what the wanting. What does that look like to you? What does the one Brian, the look like to you? Hold on. Brian always reminds me of the next thing um, that, that, that <laughs> as soon as he starts talking, the next thing that I have on what I just said, um, which is, and you keyed this for me, dude, but uh, is um, this is also one of the biggest problems you see people that get to management and they don't know how to go up the next rung they're usually, they usually lose this desire because eventually selling cars, making money, selling bikes, making money does get old. And, and hear me out here for a second. 
you, the, the next place that you need to focus your efforts and energy on is building a new guy that comes in the door and, and helping that person, um, you know, in their life, go to the next level in their life, helping that person make a hundred thousand dollars, right. Building people. Now that never gets old. And that's why I love the business so much. And even the parts of it that are second nature to me that I can do in my sleep and understand, even though sometimes I might have to argue to death with people over it, even though I know, <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, uh, all of that stuff aside, the reason I'm still in this business is that, and it's growing people. And that's where a lot of people lose desire in the management angle and they get super focused on, uh, you know, uh, I'm better than the GSM or I should have that should have gotten that position or, you know, I, I can't wait once I'm GSM or I should already be there or downplaying themselves. Oh, I've been doing this 10 years and I'm still just a sales manager. Um, and the, what exactly what that person needs and the conversation that you need to have with that employee and every dealership has several of them, uh, in management, um, is, is you need to reinvigorate your green pea desire that you once had. Remember when it, you never thought you were going to get promoted and you just wanted to prove to everybody that you could sell bikes, okay? You need to take that desire and you need to apply it to something new that you know that you need to learn, right? So there's, we all need, some, need to learn something. Can you get better at your leadership? What I was just talking about, because that's the funnest part of our business. That's the best part of our businesses. I hired this guy. Uh, he was, you know, had no credit, uh, no money. And now he has a, a car, a boat and a house, right? That's the best part of our business um, and a family, right? Um, so, but that's the conversation that you can have uh, with those managers that have kind of teetered out a little bit is you need to reinvigorate that green pea desire. And honestly, the next level is harder than the first level. The first level of just selling a ton of bikes, it's easy to understand what to do and how to see your next level. Um, in that management uh, place, it's not, but you need to take back that green pea desire and go, look, I'm happy to give more than I get. I'm going to put my nose down and get increase my skill sets and be badass. I'm going to come here every day and work. I'm going to learn on growing people and learn leadership. And that's the next thing I'm going to dive into. And I don't care what my title is. You're going to turn around and doors are going to open all over the place if you act that way. And that's what I try to get across to people. So, um, but uh, anyway, Brian, are you still there? Yes, sir. Oh, cool. So sorry, I cut you off, man. I wanted to hear what you had to say on that. No, I, you know, I think it all starts with desire. That's that's the biggest trait that I'm looking for. I mean, I want to see the guy that, you know, sometimes I'll call it junkyard dog, you know, that they've got a little bit of fight to them. Um, you know, they're, they're hungry, they're motivated. And just like you said, it's not always about the money. Like, I think we get so caught up in the money, but it's usually, it's usually a stick or a carrot that's associated with three things. And that's money, you know, money, time, and social status. Those are three things that you can motivate on. Money costs money. Time you, missed, cost uh, you, you, missed, you missed the biggest thing. It's how do you, oh, how what, do you, what is that? How do you feel when you're at work? How do you feel going into work, man? You could be making all the right. money in the world. If you're miserable there, you're eventually going to teeter out and leave. Right. Right. Why do you feel miserable at work? I mean, there's a lot of different reasons in our business that you could, and you could be making tons of money. Um. <laughs> you, you, you feel miserable. You feel miserable because you got to work 70 hours a week. 
70 hours, but you know mm-hmm. what that is? That's a, that's a form of an inefficiency. So I think one of the biggest reasons why people feel uh, Amen, all, the, all the negative aspects is inefficiency, inefficient pay plans, inefficient culture, inefficient, uh, you know, scheduling. Like you're open from 8 a.m. Right. to 10 p.m. And, you know, most of your sales happen between, you know, 11 and 7. <laughs> you're going to feel a certain way. You're going to end up getting yeah, to talk about the moral combat bar. Uh, finish, Brian. Right. No, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, it's not a sexy topic, but it's all about, you know, utilizing your resources, you know, asset management, you know, managing when you need those assets there. And what's your biggest asset? Your salespeople. Your whole staff. So people are the front line, absolutely, in my opinion. Um, I, I agree with that as well. The people. But this, this thing about hours that we kind of touched on, and I'm not afraid to discuss it um, and maybe slap some people well, in the face, but it, yeah. here's the thing, dude. I, I got to talk about it. it it's it's uh, And I talk about this with every GM that hires me. It's the it's the Mortal Kombat bar. Um, you, we have, it's, it's very weird. And we have to start off when we start in this business, because this is where we get confused about it. When you start in this business and I hire new people in this business in that interview, once again, one thing I tell them is please work until you drop, because there's so much that you need to learn. You need to immerse yourself. You need to eat, sleep and go through and do what else, uh, the car business or the motorcycle business. Right. Um, that's why I tell them that in the interview in every one of my interviews. And I said, just work until literally you need that day off and come and tell me. Um, and there's a lot of labor laws and different things where, uh, that might not work in certain States, et cetera, but the same philosophy you can apply in your own way, which is, we all know that all of us did that, that are successful. I don't have to ask any single GM or any single sales manager, any single finance director, um, if, if they worked nonstop their first couple of years in the business, I already know the answer or you wouldn't be there. Um, so there's a, so this is where we get confused is, um, your first two years or three years in the business, you want to eat, sleep, drink it, and you know what else it, right? The whole time, first two or three years. Now, after three years, you become somewhat of a professional. It depends. Maybe you get promoted right then to something you don't know how to do. Um, you're still a professional and you're going to apl- hopefully apply your professional, uh, understand the things that you need to shift and change um, from one job to another because going into management, which you should look as going into leadership is much different. Um, but uh, um, uh, what was I saying? Man, I, I lost my I lost my thought there. I can get it back. So the... Well, it's about putting in the initial time, you know, right. 10,000 hours. Yeah. Okay. Now here's 10,000 hours. That might be 50 hour weeks for three years. There you go. So the second, the second part, I just needed to remember that. So the second part to this is, however, after those two or three years, when you have a professional finance person and let's say you're looking outside for professional finance people or professional sales managers, do you know what a part of the pay plan is? No matter what that pay plan is, is your schedule. The schedule is literally a part of the pay plan. It's it's the it's it's right. it's the same thing if you're trying to recruit talent, and it's the same thing if you're trying to keep talent. So your new your new guys, you want to work them to death. Um, your older guys, I want them to have Mortal Combat bars that are full. Everyone remembers the Mortal Combat game, and this is something I talk about a lot, especially in finance. Um, you want your, you don't want to beat your guys up. Oh, I'm going to make them work 70 hours and beat them to death. Right. And then you expect them to be at full capacity when they sit in front of a cash deal customer, that's hard and sell them finance products. 
No, I want my finance right. manager sitting inside their finance office, fala lying with a freaking guitar as much as possible. Um, you know, perfectly fed uh, and, and rested and exercised and ready for that guy when that guy comes in his office. It's just total. It is literally like total uh, opposite thinking. It makes no sense that you want to beat your people up. Now, look, uh, the first two, three years, once again, the more you can work under stress, great. But once I have a professional, I want my professional underworked as possible. I don't want my professional overworked. And here's the thing in finances. Once one finance manager goes over 60 deals, you're losing money because their efficiency suffers over doing that many deals. And on top of that, you're burning them out and you're probably going to lose them as an employee shorter than you would have if they were doing less than 60 deals. And this is coming from a guy that probably averaged 120 deals over nine total years working in finance every month. So, um, all you, all you guarantee is churn and burn. Yeah. You can run people at a high level for a long time, but you know, even the best switch Swiss watch is going to get out at yes. a certain point. And my professionals, man, I want, I, I want them smooth. I don't want them frazzled. I don't want them upset. I want them smooth. I want them feeling good. The, 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 Best F&I office I ever walked into, I kind of halfway described. The guy had a fake fireplace in there. I've talked about this before, maybe, um, with his little guitar next to it. He had the lights a little bit dimmer than you would usually have them. It felt like you were sitting in a freaking cabin, and the guy was funny, too. And he was running freaking like 3500 a copy, number one in his uh, brand, years straight. Um, and this guy also, though... Check this out. It mixes in with the rest of the conversation. Told the company that he works for that every year he wants two months off or he's not working. And they said yes. So this person takes two months off as a finance manager. This guy is Mortal Kombat Bar is always operating on full. And he gives that he makes that dealership money hand over fist. And I, I, I rest my case. Yeah, going going back to um, you know, morale issues and stuff, I would say that they center around those three motivators, you know, they're not making enough money. They're spending way too much time there and nobody recognizes them. And that's why they're upset. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different reasons. Um, but, uh, it's, you, you definitely, uh, want your people to be happy. Um, you definitely don't want to be talking people into doing their job. I want to have all the leverage. I want somebody that really wants the job, um, and that gives me the leverage to build them and grow them. If they don't want the job and I talk them into it, I have no leverage to build and grow this person, uh, which equates to just Agreed. asking them, which equates to just asking them for what I need out of them. Right. So I think this was a great, this was a great topic. You got anything, Sterling? Yeah. Um, it's funny because culture, you guys talked about a good bit, but I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how far I want to go and where, what role culture plays. Now, my question, I guess, is more of a question than a thought and an understanding is, can culture create, um, you know, that drive, that will determination, or can it destroy it? And I, I want to figure out which one more than the other, because it can do both. But um, what do you think about that? Just, you know, culture, atmosphere, and, and does that get factored enough into uh you know, yeah. If you, so dude, if you're promoting the guys that want the job, other guys that haven't been promoted yet are going to see that. So there's, there's nothing you can do better for your culture than promote from within. 
I'll never change that. The best thing you can do for your culture is promote from within. How do you promote from within efficiently and plan to do that? Well, you do that with great processes and division of labor. What's the biggest benefit of promoting from within? I like it. I'm just curious. What is your culture Culture and building people and building people? So when I have my processes set up so that my salesperson, all he does is come in and learn step one through five and sits at a table and listens to a closer close. In about six to nine months, if this person has any aptitude whatsoever to do that job combined with a desire, he's going to sit down at a table and things are going to fall out of his mouth and he's going to go, where the hell did I get that from? Okay. And I'm able to take that guy who's learned clothing, closing skills and put them in my finance office where I also have a process set up and it's not just throw them in there and see if they make it. Okay. Everybody's using the menu system, the process that's also more compliant by the way. Right. And then from finance, I'm able to put them on my sales desk. And that's the, that's the process that I like because I like your sales manager to have been in finance. I have seen great ones that weren't, but um, that's the process that I like. And I don't ever want to hire guys with bad habits. I want to hire brand new freaking salespeople. Uh, I'm going to train them. I get to promote them. Everyone gets to see that to a closer assistant sales manager. I get to teach them how to become a closer. In that process, you can have a 21-year-old kid killing it on your sales desk in a matter of a couple of years if all the stars and moon line up for the kid, period. So that's you want to have a process that does that. Why would I want to be constantly trying to hire people from the outside um, to come in and tell me what they did at their last dealership? Why are they even looking for a job? And there's so many questions. Potentially Here's the biggest thing. Culture, right? One thing, but I want to hear what you had to say, Brian. But one thing before I say that is when you have to remember this too. When you hire, and this is what's this is crazy, right? It's, it goes for me too, unless you know me and have worked with me. Um, is that, I mean, you know, people probably tell you about me, so I'd be fine. But, uh, if this goes for everybody, like when I'm hiring somebody, it doesn't matter what the interview looks like. It doesn't matter anything on average. What am I going to get? I'm going to get somebody average on average. I'm going to hire somebody average, right? So most likely I'm hiring someone average. Every time I hire from outside versus building people, growing people, which is, which is the biggest thing you can do for your culture and yourself, honestly, because growing, truly growing other people, you grow yourself. It's difficult. It's one of the hardest things and most rewarding things to do is to take a guy who's like, head is out of it. Hey dude, leave your baggage at the door. Hey dude, do this. This is the process. And then hold him accountable, make him keep doing it. He leaves the store like, Oh my goodness. I came in here and sold three freaking cars and motorcycles. Cause this guy was riding my tail. And I didn't even think about the world and my problems are being solved while I'm here doing this. That's what you want. And then that guy's going to have, uh, that guy's going to have your buy-in. You're a real leader at that point. Now I can really ask this person to do something. So that's what well yeah. I, I totally agree. I think that's spot on. So, uh, yeah, we covered some cool stuff, man. Desire, Mortal Kombat bar. Um, uh, we covered a little bit about, uh, oh, yeah, working people to death. Um, that's a big one. Um, you're, just remember, your, your schedule is a part of your pay plan. And, and, and go ask any single one of your managers if that's not true. They'll say absolutely. 
And the best question is, hey, do you want the job making 30 grand a month where you work 80 hours? Or are you going to take the job making 15 grand a month where you work 40 hours? Go ask all your managers that question. Might get a couple of them that say they'll take the 80 hour job because they don't want to be at home and everything. Great. Cool. If that's true, let them do it. I'm not going to stop anybody from doing what they want to do. Um, but most of your managers are going to say, uh, I want that 15K and that those 40 hours. So just remember your schedule is a part of your pay plan. 100%. Well said. All right. Uh, thank you guys for being here. <clears throat> thank you, everybody, for listening to episode two of season three. And y'all have a great night. Good night. Thanks, Bill.